Oh, what a rainy morning we have. I was thinking there'd be three people here. And I understand we have people all over the place looking good. Glad to have you here at First Baptist this morning. Have a couple of things I want to mention real, real quick. Uh, I have a sermon disclaimer this morning. Our message is constructed around a framework that's created by Jeff Henderson of Gwinnett Church and the Rethink, Rethink Group. Some of the ideas and illustrations are used for permission to help us expand the reach of the gospel in our communities. In other words, I'm using somebody's outline today. I'm going to be doing that for the next four weeks, and I wanted to give credit where credit's due. Some of the material's mine, some of it's theirs, but it's good stuff because we are for Jones County and want us to understand how all of that works. Married people, the tickets are starting to move, starting to see it pick up online. That's the way it goes. Last week would really sell very fast. Go online and buy your tickets to the married people event this coming Saturday night. You do not have anything better to do than to come to First Baptist and laugh and learn a little bit and maybe be able to help another married couple or maybe yourself. Also, they are not here this morning. When you see Joe and Patrice Briley, you'll want to congratulate them. Joseph attained the rank of Eagle Scout. We had his honor council here last Friday night. Uh, you'll be able to recognize them if you don't know who they are. They have the grin from ear to ear. So I uh, want to congratulate them and congratulate Joseph for attaining the rank of Eagle Scout. All righty, let's go to God in prayer. Let's get ready to worship. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the rain. We thank you for, uh, we thank you for a rain that's like today, that's cold and windy and all the stuff that goes along with it, Lord, because it's a different thing. And we have sunshine and we have rain and it helps us appreciate everything that comes our way. We love you for taking care of us. Lord, who, who, if it had never been created, would have thought up rain? Who would have thought up a blue sky? Who would have thought up sunshine that warms us, even when it's cold outside? Who would have thought these things? Green trees and green grass. And Lord, winter with no tree, no leaves on the trees and summer where everything is verdant and lush. Who would have thought these things except you? The God who creates, the God who sustains, the God who is our rock, the God who is our salvation, the God who loves us, who gives to us, who makes sure we're taken care of, the God who even knowing that we would choose to rebel still created us and created a way for us to walk with you. We thank you, Father, and we worship you and we praise you in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So much good music this morning, but don't y'all think it would be cool to have a night of prayer that we would come and show up at the church and Kim Heiss would just play for an hour while we just sat real still and prayed. That would do it for me. Choir, y'all sounded dynamite this morning. Good music, good music. Fits right in what we're talking about. It's interesting, and, and God has, has chosen to teach me some lessons recently that you think you're doing something for one reason, and then you find out you're actually doing it for something entirely different. I commissioned Haley Nunn to do a very short documentary for us about a month and a half ago, she's been working on it diligently and wanted it for this morning. 
I had one reason in mind to do it, and we get here today, and I find out it's really a completely different reason altogether. So, Haley, if you would fire up the video.
Like I said, I asked Haley to do this for us a little while ago. Everybody, everybody, church people or not, tend to do the same thing. We don't think about the rest of the world. We think about where we are in the moment, what's going on around us. We might even think that as we, as we sit here that, you know, we've got friends that are at Elam. We have friends that are at Plenitude. We have friends at Bradley. We have friends at Greenwood. We've got people are generally doing the things that we do, but they aren't. They aren't. And as a lifelong church member, I can tell you that my initial response to this video, because I'm a baby boomer, some of you younger guys, oh, look over here, some of these younger guys, some of you younger guys maybe didn't have that same reaction that I had, but my very first reaction was, why are these businesses open on Sunday morning? Back when I was a boy... Yeah, back when I was a boy, the only thing open in Mableton and Austell, two cities in the suburbs of Atlanta, the only thing that was open was the ice cream counter at the Rexall Drugstore, where you could go in and get the best butter pecan ice cream you have ever tasted in your entire life. It's the only place that was open, period. We had laws that closed all of the businesses until after church was over. They were closed by law. Such simpler times for church people. For church people. We've established that almost two-thirds of the people in Jones County are unchurched people. 6.3 out of every 10, that's 63%, three more percent, and it would be an even two-thirds of all of the people in Jones County. Even if we could muster the political clout to by law mandate that all businesses should be closed during church hours, what would that say to the 63% of Jones County who do not go to church, do not think about church. If their child comes down with the flu, and that's a real possibility right now, right? If their child comes down with the flu and needs to go to the drugstore and they go to the door of the drugstore and it's closed because the church people had the business closed, what does that say? Well, too bad. You wait till church is over. What, what if, what if the, what if, uh, They need Gatorade or Powerade, or maybe dad forgot to get the milk. You know, dad, you wake up in the morning, y'all have done that before. You wake up in the morning, you go to the refrigerator, and you have this feeling of terror in your heart because you realize that you forgot to pick up the milk the night before, and the wife don't know it yet. And so you've got to do something. Well, you run to the grocery store, but you can't get anything because the church people have it closed down. Maybe mom and dad work six days a week. Maybe one of them worked night shift on Saturday night or as a nurse or a law enforcement officer or as a first responder and they hung, they're hungry and they know they've got food at home but they're tired and they don't want to do anything. They just want to stop and get something to eat but they stop and they can't get anything to eat because, well, church people said you've got to wait. See, the message the church has been sending the community for a long time has not been a positive message to unchurched people. Well, pastor, that's what God wants. It's what God wants for his people. 
I don't know if you've ever heard of a TED Talk before. I have heard of people talking about TED Talks. I didn't know what they were. I went to a conference last year that said that they were going to do it in TED Talk style, and it was a bunch of little short, choppy messages that sort of drove me crazy because there were so many coming at me so fast. But I looked it up to see what a TED Talk was. A TED Talk, a TED Talks were started by an organization to share powerful talks that were less than 18 minutes long on a variety of ideas. And their purpose is to create conversations and ultimately change people's attitudes and hence change people's lives. I'm just going to quit wearing the coat. It's just going to, we've got to talk and I'm excited about this and we've got to go. Their purpose is to create conversation. When you create conversation, people start talking about things. Their attitudes change. When their attitudes change, then their lives change. There was a, a guy by the name of Simon Sinek who did a famous TED Talk, and his talk and his primary point was start with why. Start with why. With your organization, start with why, and the why will define the how. And that makes perfect sense. Start with why. <clears throat> why. But defining why is not the most difficult part. The most difficult part of, of the whole process is staying with why. Stay with why. That's very, very difficult. It's true in any organization. It's true in the church. And today what I want us to talk about is I want us to talk about our why and how we're going to stay with our why. Talk about why and how we're going to stay with our why. Stephen Covey said a while back, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Have you all heard that? Southern Baptist Convention, back when they published magazines, used to send preachers a, a, a preacher magazine, and it had a centerfold. And in the centerfold, you folded the thing out. I pulled it out. I stuck it on my wall because all it said with a blue-black background was, keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. To do that, I want to help us understand that part of my responsibility as a pastor, part of my responsibility as a pastor of the church is to make sure that we keep the main thing the main thing. It's my job for us to keep the main thing the main thing. So to do that, I want us to implement one of the most most powerful leadership principles that I've ever been taught and I didn't pick up that I knew it until just recently. It's something every one of us can apply in every aspect of our lives no matter where you are. It's great for business leaders, it's great for community leaders, it's great for school leaders and teachers, it's great for church leaders, church members. The principle is simple, it's very, very powerful. Once you put it into place, it can make a difference. And the principle is this, it's very simple. Leaders are repeaters. Leaders are repeaters. And you did not know I bet you don't. You did not know that you knew this principle already. Leaders stay on message. They repeat the message. They repeat the message again. They say it over and over. They stay on the main thing, keeping the main thing the main thing. It takes a while for vision. It takes a while for your why, why you want to do something, to stick and you know this, whether you know it or not, and I can prove to you that you know this principle already and you understand how important it is. Do you have children? 
If you have children, you have proven this, you have used this very principle with your children because you have turned to them and you have said this statement. How many times do I have to tell you that? Have you done? Come on. I know you've done it. How many times have I got to tell you that? How many times? Maybe you said it a different way, but what what you're saying is, is how often do I have to repeat this? If you are married, if you're a man, you didn't say this out loud because you knew it would get you nowhere. If you're a woman, you did say it out loud. How many times do I have to say this to you? How many times, how many times do I have to tell you that your underwear goes in the basket and not on the floor? How many times have I said that the trash that's by the door needs to go out when it's full? How many times? There it is. You repeat. Leaders are repeaters. Your bosses do that, employees do that, teachers do that, friends do that because you care, you're wanting to change somebody's attitude, you're wanting to change the way somebody acts, so you keep repeating the same message over and over and over again. Let me ask you a question, I want you to answer this out loud. (coughs) Excuse me, let's answer this out loud. If you go to Chick-fil-A, and you ask, and, and you, you walk up to the counter, and you order something, and you say to their associate, thank you, what do they say back? My pleasure. Let me tell you the story behind my, my pleasure. Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A and the inventor of the chicken sandwich, went to, I believe it was a Ritz-Carlton Hotel, and somebody there had to do something for him. And when they did it for him, he said, thank you. And they said, my pleasure. And he stopped. He liked what he heard. And I think I, this, the person that was telling the story didn't explain why that grabbed his ear. But I think I understand why it grabbed his ear. If I say thank you and you say you're welcome, you may not have wanted to do that for me. But you were just going to be nice and you're just going to do it. Thank you. You're welcome. But if you say, my pleasure, that means you got something out of it, that you actually enjoyed doing this for me. It wasn't a burden. It was my pleasure to go out of my way. It was my pleasure to do this. It makes me feel good to help you with this. So I can see how that caught his ear. So he thought it was a great idea. And being the boss and the guy that's in charge of everything, they had a big Chick-fil-A conference. All of the franchisees were there. All of the Chick-fil-A staff was there. And the man who owns the Chick-fil-A, the man which is in charge, stood up in front of everybody and he says, beginning tomorrow, what I want you to do, I want you to go back to your stores and I want you to tell everybody there that when somebody says to them, thank you, they are to reply, my pleasure. He is the boss, the head man which is. He signs the paychecks. And so he goes out a couple of weeks later to see how this thing goes. He went to one of the stores where nobody knew who he was. He goes in, he orders a sandwich. They give it to him. He says, thank you. And they said, you're welcome. Now, he did not work for AT&T. If he had worked for AT&T, he would have gone back to his office, typed up the memo that was full of hysterics that said if you do not get your people to do this I will fire you and everybody under you he didn't do that what Truett Cathy started doing was this every time he met with his people 
when somebody says thank you, you're to say, my pleasure, because it sounds good, and it works. That's what you need to do. They say it took five five years for that to catch on. Five years. But he didn't beat them. He kept repeating it until it became a part of their culture, became a part of who they are. And now if you go to another store and you say thank you and they say my pleasure, you immediately think what? I think of Chick-fil-A because that's who Chick-fil-A is. To help us stay on why, that's what we're talking about this morning. It's extremely important to stay on why. So let's talk about why. To help us stay on why, I want us to answer this question. Be serious now, y'all. Think about First Baptist Church that you're a member of or that you attend regularly, this place that you come to. Maybe you're here for the first time today, and still, if you're here for the first time, this question works for everybody. What do we want to be known for? What do we want to be known for? It's a great question. If you're a business person, that's a question you've got to answer. What do I want to be known for? If, if you're a school, that's a great question. What do we want to be known for? If you're, a mem- if you're a business person, this might be something to ask your customers. What are we known for? So that they can tell you what they're, you're known for and you can see if that matches up. What are we known for? As an individual, that's a great question. What do I want to be known for? One of these days, I'm going to be laid out in a box right here in front, and somebody's going to stand up behind it, and it's going to talk over that box. What do I want to be known for? What do I want them to say? What do I want to be known for? And it's a great question for a church. What do we want to be known for? Well, they did some research. They did a whole lot of research. And when they did this research, they, they put it together in one summary statement. Doesn't cover all the bases, covers most of the base, bases. They come up with one summary statement that said this. Many people, many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. And we know it's true. Many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. Now, no wonder people don't want to attend church. Church isn't for them because church isn't for them. Do you remember the video, the guy folding his clothes at the laundromat or the family that was eating breakfast at the Waffle House? They don't have a stress that you have. Let me share the stress with you. This morning when I woke up, I could hear the rain on the roof. I could hear the rain coming down the gutters. When I can hear the rain on the roof and the rain coming down the gutters, that means it is show enough, son of a gun, coming down, raining cats and dogs, frog choking, trash toting, downpour. It's coming. And the best thing to do when that happens is pull that blanket up, 
and roll on over. Now, I couldn't do that, of course, because I'm the pastor, and that would that'd bring some unintended consequences. But you, on the other hand, because I've sat in the pew before, you, on the other hand, had a choice to make because you heard the rain, and you knew it was going to be cold, and it was going to be rainy, and it was going to be messy, and you had a choice to make, and you had to think to yourself, am I going to roll over in this bed where it is warm and cozy and sleep till about 10.30 and then get me a nice cup of coffee and sit there and just sort of enjoy the morning, or am I going to get myself out of bed and go to church? These folks that we saw on that video, that's not in their selection status. That's not something they think about. It's not anything that matters to them. They don't worry about, can I, go into, can I stay in bed instead of go to church? Church is not on their radar. <clears throat> now, I know it's not about church attendance, but it's about fulfilling the call that we've been given as a church. Our goal, our job is to shrink the gap between those that are outside the church and the church. Our job is to shrink the gap between those who are outside the church and God, to shrink that gap and make it easier for them to know Jesus, to shrink that gap. And that's what we want to do. Now, how do we do this? Well, we want to create a church that folks would love to attend. Men, women, children, couples, singles, students, everybody. And we weren't the first people to tackle this question. This question's been going on for a long time. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Acts 15. Acts chapter 15. I'm going to summarize it, but there's one verse that we're going to look at really, really close. It had never jumped out at me before. Acts chapter 15. Now, here's the story. About 2,000 years ago, a group of Christians were doing exactly what we're doing today, having the same kind of conversation. Some guys came, Paul and Barnabas are out just in the woods somewhere teaching. They're out in different cities going around. They're not Jewish towns. They're just out places, and they're preaching. And while they're out there preaching... They're preaching that Jesus saves, he came to seek and to save the lost, that there's grace to be had, teaching this, and along comes this other group of people behind them that were former Jews who are now Christians who are telling these people that Paul and Barnabas are teaching that, listen, Paul and Barnabas are almost right. The first thing that has to happen, though, is you've got to become a Jew first. And once you become a Jew, then you can become a Christian. Well, Paul and Barnabas found out that they were doing this, and so they went to sit down with these guys. They talked to them face-to-face. -face. They argued. They did all the stuff that you do. And you know in our environment that we live in right now how things work. You can't change my mind, and I can't change yours. We all have our positions. We're both right. There is no wrong, and we just argue back and forth. We don't get anywhere. That's what was happening to them. So they said, hold it. Let's do this. We're going to go to Jerusalem where the apostles are. And we're going to let the apostles tell us how this thing's really supposed to work. That's Jerusalem. Peter and all the guys are there. We're going to go and we're going to sit down with them and say, this is what's going on. Y'all tell us who's right or wrong. 
So that's what they do, and they were very well received. And Paul and Barnabas told all the stories of the great things that God was doing in all of the places where they were teaching about Jesus, how people were being saved, how the Holy Spirit was moving in their lives, how churches were being formed. But there were some Christians in Jerusalem, surprise, surprise, who had been Pharisees and trusted Christ as their Savior. And they come up and they say, well, here's the deal you got to become a Jew first, and they've got to follow the laws of Moses before they can be saved. So you know what they do? You know how we proved they were Baptists? They held a conference. Because that's what Baptists do. We have conferences. So they had a little conference, and they got together, and they discussed all of this and tried to figure out what to do. And that's when Peter stood up, and he said this, Guys, we have heard great and wonderful things that God is doing among the Gentiles. God is showing us that they are saved by the fact that he has given them the Holy Spirit. Why would we test God and put yokes on these people that neither we nor our ancestors could keep? Now, I want you to think about this. This isn't in my notes, but I want you to think about the application of this real quick. When we tell people out in the world they have to straighten up their lives, is that not the silliest thing that we could tell anybody? Because were you able to straighten up yours? Well, I was at, hmm. You know how your life gets straightened out? You meet Jesus, and Jesus works in your heart and changes who you are, and he changes us. So these guys are saying, they need to straighten up and fly right. And Peter's saying, listen, you couldn't straighten up and fly right. That's why we had to have Jesus in the first place. So here, here, everybody got very, very quiet because they knew they were right. Peter stood up and said, folks, we've heard how God has made a name for himself among the Gentiles. Then he quotes the Old Testament prophet Amos that said this very same thing. God's been working on this for a long time. And then Peter said this, verse 19, this is the one I want you to burn in your minds. Therefore, this is Christian Standard Bible, therefore, in my judgment, We should not cause difficulties for those among the Gentiles who turn to God. The NIV says we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it hard for people to come to Jesus. That's the message. That's the message to us. We should not make it hard for people to come to Jesus. Now, go back to the laundromat. Go back to Waffle House. What we've been called to do is to not make it difficult for these people to turn to Jesus. Now, how do we do this? How do we create a church that somebody at the laundromat would love to attend? How do we connect with the family at the Waffle House who may have already said no to church and who may have already said no to Jesus? How do we do this? What do we want to be known for? Here's where the slogan comes up, what you saw just a few minutes ago. We are for Jones County. I want you to think about all this and how it all fits together. We are for our businesses. We're for our schools. We're for adults. We're for students. We're for children. 
We're for people. And we're for people, why? Because Jesus is for people. We are for Jones County. We're launching a movement here today called For Jones County. And by doing this, we're going to create three things that the guy in the laundromat and the family in the Waffle House, with these people in mind, we want to create common ground. We want to create conversations. And we want to create connections. And every bit of this is is based off of Acts 15, 19. We want to make it easy for those people who are shopping, who are eating, who are washing clothes. We want to make it, we want to make it easy for them to turn to Jesus. That's what we want to do. We want to make it easy for them to turn to Jesus. Now, how do you create common ground? Well, for many people who don't go to church, they believe, they believe it's because they believe it's because they have nothing in common with the people who go to church. They don't believe, they believe that we really don't share anything. But you and I know differently. Think about this. Look at some of the things that we've done as a church. The Boys and Girls Club that the community uh, has established across the street for children that need after-school care and need a little additional touch, they have, a, as their mission, making sure these children grow up to be successful and graduate and have jobs, we painted their classrooms. We partnered with Joseph Briley on his Eagle Project to go across the street to tear down all this rickety junk they had up there and make them a playground area that they could go and play in, something that says to them that they are valued. Our WMU has not raised their hand and jumped and screamed and made sounds because they're sort of a humble lot of women, but what they are doing is making sure students have what they need to learn in their classes the materials they need. They have provided some children with funds to make sure that they can participate in activities to keep them off the streets. We have teachers here in the classrooms. We have leaders helping the community to plan how to make this place not turn into Monticello, Georgia, but to turn into a place that is thriving. We have people here who work that I can pick up the phone call, uh, pick up the phone and call and ask them, help me get somebody some help. And they do it every time. We have people in this community, we have common ground already. It's just that the community doesn't see it and we don't think about it. But we do these things already. We're already there. We live here. We want our community to be great. It's why many of us moved to Jones County. We love it here. And we have this in common with the other people that live here. We, when we create common ground, we tell people, you want where you live to be a great place to live? Well, so do we. You want, you want this to be a great place to raise your kids? Well, so do we. You want this a great place where businesses thrive around here? So do we. You want the schools to be great? Wow, that's crazy. So do we. We want common ground. Look how much common ground we already have. 
You know this is true. For so long, the church has either had an adversarial relationship with the community or we didn't think about the community. You know this is true. You know this is the way we've operated. So we create common ground. We want to create conversations. And that's why we're launching the four Jones County movement. Lots of ways we can do that. But what we want to do is we want to create opportunities. We want to create opportunities for people to ask, what's going on here? What's going on here? That's all we want. Somebody to ask us what's going on. Now, here's an idea that you can do. I want to encourage you to do that. I want you to encourage, to encourage you to do that. Do this this week. It's going to cost you money. Not a lot, but you get to choose. It's called pay it backwards. And here's what I want you to do. Take this and put it in the rear window of your car. If your car is filthy, wash it a little bit so they can see it. It doesn't help if it doesn't show through. Now, I want to ask you this, too. If you do not want, if you're not ready to participate in Fort Jones County, this in conversation, don't take it home. Leave it on your seat. We'll pick it up, and when you're ready, we'll give you another one. But right now, put this in the rear window of your car, and then do that. Do this this week. When you go through a drive-through, when you go through a drive-through, and you get up to the window and you pay for your food, pay for the car behind you. Now you may want to be smart. If it's, a, if it's a, a van full of homeschoolers, you'll probably just want to pay for their drinks. If it's foster children, you'll just want to pay for their drinks. But just pay for it. Pay for, their, pay for the person behind you. Pay for their drinks. Pay for their food. Now, what's going to happen when you do that? Think about yourself. If you're going to work and you go through Dairy Queen and you get you a sausage and biscuit. And when you get up to the window, they say, that car in front of you just paid for yours. And you look up, the only thing you're going to see on the back of that, if it's just a plain old car, is you're going to see that Fort Jones County sticker sitting right there in your face. And you know what you're going to do? Tell me you, tell me you wouldn't. I know you will. You're going to go to work or wherever it was you were going to go, and all day long, everybody you meet, you're going to say to them, all day long, you know what happened to me this morning? I was going through the drive-thru. I went through the drive-thru with the Dairy Queen to get me the sausage and biscuit. And this car in front of me with this big old Fort Jones County sticker, people always think they're bigger. I had one about this, a little Jesus sticker about that big, honest to goodness, on the back of my car. Long, long story, but somebody called the Georgia State Patrol because I had their wallet in my car and I was coming from Athens. And it's a really long story. It doesn't sound nearly as bad as it really was. And when the guy described my car, he said, it's a little red car with this gigantic Jesus sticker on the back. It was about that big, gigantic. When they see this, they're going to say, it had a gigantic Fort Jones County sticker on the back of it. I wonder what that means. And then they're going to see you one day. And your car is going to have this. And they're going to say to you, what does that mean? Now take out your bulletin. 
Come on, take out your bulletin. I need to hear stuff rustling or I'm not going to quit. Front cover. This is what we're going to memorize. And this is what we're going to say to people. For too long, the church has been known for what we are against. We want to be known for what we're for. And that's all you got to say. That's all you got to say. That's it. You hadn't got to know four spiritual laws. Hadn't got to know the Roman road. Haven't got to know CWT or any kind of anything. All you got to say to them is that. For too long, the church has been known for what it's against. We want to be known for what we are for. We want to be known for what we are for. Now, that can create conversations. Here's where Jesus comes in. God takes common ground, and he takes conversations, and he makes connections. God can take moments and conversations, and he begins to shrink the gap between the guy at the laundromat and the family at the Waffle House and the people that come to First Baptist Church. He shrinks the gap between these people who don't have him on their radar screen and him. That's his work. What I'm asking us to do today is to create common ground with people in our community, to create conversations and pray that God creates connections. When people say to you, what is this for Jones County sticker all about? All you need to say is, for too long, the church has been known for what we're against. We want to be known for what we are for. And that's what Acts 15 is all about. So here's the question I want to ask you. If our church went out of business, would the community even notice? If the First Baptist Church just disappeared from view, would the community notice? Listen, when a church is for the community, for people, and it deeply desires to introduce them to the love of the Heavenly Father, we become a partner in this divine dance that God uses in a very beautiful way to draw people to himself and to change their lives. And Jesus is going to honor this. He's going to honor this. And we're going to see things happen we didn't think could happen. So I'm going to ask you, will you help me do this? Now, I know some of you don't live in Jones County. Let's suppose you live in Milledgeville. So here's what, we've, what we're going to do. Maybe some of you live in Macon. Maybe you don't. Now, if you live in the Jones County part of Macon, you're for Jones County. But maybe you come from Macon. What, and, and you love this idea. You understand that for too long the church has been known for what it's against. We want to be known for what we are for. And you want to do this. So if you'll let me, Laura, and Bo know, we will get you a sticker that says, For Millie for Milledgeville, because Milledgeville is way too long to put on here, or for Macon. We'll get you one that you can put in the back of your car and do exactly the same thing no matter where you are. When people stop and ask you, what does that for Jones County thing mean? You say to them, 
for too long the church has been known for what the church is against. We want to be known what we are for. And guys, there's nothing new under the sun. That's scripture, by the way. You can look that up. What we're doing is the message of the church since the book of Acts. All we are doing is rallying around the word for to communicate it this way. This is our why. My goal is to help us stay with why. And our why is Jesus. There is no other why. Our why is Jesus. He has saved us. We have drank from his living water, and he has filled us with living water that runs in a river to touch those around us, to draw them to him. There's nothing better. There's no other reason. That's what we're for. We want to be for Jones County. We want to be known what we are for. We want to be known for Jesus because that's what we're here for y'all pray with me dear father holy father lord if we if we listened closely we can find a lot to argue with today but lord i pray that you don't let us get in the way of ourselves that you have, you have filled us with rivers of living water to flow out and touch those around us, to draw them to you. We are the ones who come up with the rules, not you. You didn't tell a single person. That lady that we talked about that, that was caught in the very act of adultery that stood in front of you and you told them, you told them, the one with the, 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 with, uh, without sin, to throw the first stone, and nobody threw a stone. The only thing you said to her was, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. And that's all you did. You didn't tell her anything else. We don't know if she had earrings or nose rings or tattoos. We don't know if she was a, a politician or a school teacher or a community leader, or a church leader. We don't know anything because none of that mattered. All that mattered is that you showed that woman that in all the universe there was a God who was for her. Father, if we need to repent, call us to repentance for making it hard for people. And Father, I pray that you begin to build an excitement in us that we want to be a church that people can look at and say, that church loves people. That church is for us. That church has something that we need and we know that what they need is you. Make us bold in this, Father. Help us to remember what to say. Lord, I pray as we talk about paying it backwards that as we go through the drive through this week that at some particular moment for just the right people that are behind us 
you would remind us of this moment and we would pay it backwards to a group of people that need to hear that Jesus is Lord in such a way that they would be drawn to you. Help us, Father. You're in charge of all of it. And we know that you will. Because you've done crazy things already. We love you, Father. And we thank you for the opportunity to be your ambassadors on this earth so that people can have what you've given to us already. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Christians, we know what we need to do. If you are here this morning, let me explain to you very, very quickly that there is a God who is for you. He sent his son for you. The greatest verse in the Bible begins with, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would never perish but would have eternal life. I ask you this morning, if you hear that and it moves in your heart, come and talk to me. I'll be standing down front. Anybody else, you know what we do every week? I would ask you to pray more than anything and ask God how he would lead you to be for Jones County. Would you stand together?